So we're looking at this topic of identity and we started, uh, we did an introduction then last week we looked at the first layer of identity and we were talking about the initial thing that people will experience about you when you when they meet you are defined, I described it as um, your preferences uh, and perception and comparison. Okay, so people will, will notice about you the things that you like and dislike is the basic um, way it works. Uh, the things that you're interested in, things that you like and that you dislike. Uh, then there's this whole thing of perception that, that you then begin to understand other people by the things that they like or dislike or the things that interest them. And we begin to build a picture up of each other according to our preferences. This is what we describe as the outermost layer of identity. Um, the challenge with that is then you get this thing of comparison that sometimes when we're looking at people and we're perceiving that their lives work in a certain way, um, perception means that sometimes we can fall into the trap of just comparing ourselves with other people all the time and we looked at things like how dangerous social media is for for comparing our lives and sometimes we can end up devaluing who we actually are and our preferences are some of the core things that make us who we are the things that we like and dislike the things we're interested in um, are often what makes us unique and when we connect with someone else who likes similar things to us or is interested in similar things with us there's this connection straight away where you feel a little bit safer or you feel a bit more at home or everything's a bit easier because you've got common interests and there's and there's something that joins you together so it's a case of of not getting trapped in comparison but also being uh, able to understand that you're unique and different um, and that's important and that should be celebrated rather than kind of um, something that makes you feel like you're less valuable than someone else because when you compare yourself to them your life doesn't seem quite as extravagant or exciting and that's the challenge that we have in today's society when we have uh, a window into other people's lives in the way that we do so often um, we can get trapped in that so that's the outermost layer that's the kind of most public layer that people see it's what we present to people often but layer two is uh, is the next layer down so if you imagine it as an onion we've peeled off that initial brown bit that we'd never want to eat um, so now we're getting down into some layers so some of this stuff is a bit more hidden or it would take a bit more work for people to find out this kind of information about you but layer two i've described as skills passion and opportunities so that's what we're going to look at today and what layer two does is it provides a little extra depth from where we've been so far when we're thinking about likes and dislikes and interests this is a little bit deeper than that and if we start thinking about skills first, um, skills are a, a kind of an obvious step up from interests and routines. Skills often become about things like words like ability or training or development or experience. We develop skills through all of these different ways, uh, whether it's your natural ability, whether it's through being trained and developed uh, or whether it's just through experiencing different things that you acquire skills through that. Um, these are the kind of things that develop skills within us. Uh, and I suppose when you look at your own lives, the kind of questions you, you maybe are asking yourself in this moment is, what are you skilled and equipped to do? What are the things that you would say is not just an interest or, or a like, but what is it that I would call a skill? Or something that I feel that when I go into a situation, I am equipped to bring this thing um, to the table. 
Maybe it's thinking, how do I consider that I function well? What is it in life that I'd say I do quite well in or that I can, I can make a contribution to? It's important to realise, I suppose, that we're all wired quite differently. Uh, we had Maya's parents' evening this week, um, her first proper parents' evening at secondary school. And actually, um, she's doing brilliantly well. The, the kind of reports from her teachers were, were quite glowing. There was clearly a thread that went through every every chat that said she talks too much, which was um, <laughs> stating the absolute obvious. Um, but but the interesting thing was she was she was doing really well. And there were certain areas where she was really excelling because she connected with a skill or a passion that meant she just got an extra level of enjoyment out of something. But then there was one subject we went to where the teacher was just a bit negative about it. And he was saying, oh, she doesn't really, she doesn't really push herself, she doesn't really do this. And I was kind of a little bit, a little bit critical. And then we said, well, how's she doing on her levels and her kind of targets? And he just went, oh, well, saying all of that stuff, she's doing brilliantly on her targets and her levels. She's achieved everything she needs to. But what it came down to is, I looked at her during this thing and she felt a little bit awkward, a little bit like it was a bit of a, a strange kind of chat with this teacher. But as I looked at her, I thought, she's not interested or passionate about this subject Mm. she's doing what she needs to do but he's wanting her to push herself further and go beyond but actually in that moment I looked at her and just thought you know what I want her to have the right attitude to these things and I want her to try but if she's not passionate or really interested in this particular thing then maybe it's just a case that we are all wired differently and that that some people will be um, methodical or logical, some people are creative, some people are are more emotionally driven in the way they do stuff. When we begin to realise that this uniqueness that we looked at last week in preference also exists within skills and passion, it's something that also needs to be understood, uh, embraced and celebrated. That the fact that people will be skillful and interested and, and passionate about different things in different ways is really important that we acknowledge that and not go, well, I'm just a bit disappointed they're not more like this. Actually, maybe there's a lot of stuff in those moments um, that need to be celebrated. But the other thing with skills is is around this whole thing of experience. Sometimes it's not that we've made a choice because we're interested in something or we've gone down a certain path of training and development. Sometimes it's just over experiences of life, we learn things and we begin to, as a result, develop a skill as a result of it. So it's not all just obvious uh, we, we go through an education system and develop skills through that. Sometimes we happen upon things that become something that we realise is something that we're good at or we are interested in or that we're passionate about. And as a result, our, our kind of dedication to that thing becomes a skill um, and it develops over time. If you think about my life, I'd probably say that... Um, I didn't particularly enjoy the education system. I didn't kind of... I got to... Uh, after sixth form... Well, after after sixth form college I went to, um, I was fed up of just being told what to do all the time, so I decided to um, step out of it. And I've never really gone back into formal education since. Um, but I'd say most of my development and understanding of, of who I am has just been this this happening upon 
different things that suddenly I realised that oh I'm I'm I like that I enjoyed that or um, I got a sense of um, of excitement or I came alive when I was in that situation doing those kind of things and for me it's probably that I'd followed interests and likes and dislikes and those kind of things and avoided dislikes and I'd followed those kind of things and developed these things into uh, into skills so I'd probably say I stumbled across more things. Like if I look at the job I do now, I'm entirely self-taught as a video producer. Um, I happened upon that really because I thought it'd be good to be able to produce videos for the youth events that we were running years ago. Um, and actually, as I began to um, dip my toe in that and use my creativity to think, how could we make this really fun or exciting or really different? it developed into a skill that the passion rose in me that developed it into a skill that has now become something that, that has allowed me to, to grow and progress. But I think what we, what we find sometimes when we're stumbling across things is there's always that moment where we have to choose to make uh, a decision, are we going to take a risk or not? And, and sometimes finding um, an area where we can develop a skill in does require this courage, this bravery, this risk to step out into something new. But what we do find when we do that and when we develop skills, whether it's through training um, or through um, just your natural ability or through experience or taking risks, what we find is that skills begin to open up doors, that doors... um, doors open for us of opportunities into the future that as you get more skillful at something you find you can step forward and step up sometimes in responsibility or in um or in uh, complexity of the things that you can do we develop skills and doors open as a result and when we think about that skills often then become quite a key part of our identity when you first meet someone and you're doing that small talk you'll often say to someone so what is it that you do that's a normal question that people ask. What is it that you do? And we often will default to what is my skill? What is it that I am paid to do? Or what is it that, that, I, that, that I do on a regular basis? Um, that's often how we identify ourselves by the skills that we have. So let's move on to think about passion. Um, passion for me, when, when we think about what we looked at last time, which is preferences um, and those kind of things, likes and dislikes, there's a marked difference between passion and preference. Okay, preference, um, sorry, passion runs deeper than preference. Um, and I suppose the simple way of looking at it is passion is something that's probably driven more by a sense of care rather than taste. Okay, your preferences are your tastes, whereas passion kind of has a depth to passion that almost means you care more and you're dedicated more, you're motivated more by this kind of thing. So maybe when you look at your own life, the questions to consider are what, what would you say you're passionate about? What are the things in your life that you're passionate about? What inspires you? What excites you? What drives you? What is it? that makes you come alive when you have opportunities to do these different things what is it that makes you come alive and then how do you begin to put all of this stuff into action that that can sometimes be the challenge but what we find with both of these things with skills and with passion is when we piece these two elements together we can begin to feel like our identity is being formed And it's not just likes and dislikes, preferences and tastes. We're we're deeper than that. 
it's it's more complex than that. Our skills and passion are deeper are a deeper level to what makes us who we are. And sometimes that's the stuff that we don't reveal to people initially. That's why it's in a deeper layer. But it begins to come across in the way that we operate. As people spend more time with us, they begin to realise, actually, that person is really driven by this thing, or that's why they're doing what they're doing. Um, And uh, I suppose one one of the temptations we have when we look at identity to do with not just the preferences we looked at before um, but but skills and passion is it's really easy to to fall into the temptation of being solely defined by these things so when we ask that question who am I the, the temptation is and we looked at this in the intro week the temptation is to say things like I am what I do and um, there's the good things that we do. We succeed in things. We feel good about it. But when we fail in those things, we can feel bad. Sometimes we say, I am what other people say about me. Uh, and that's both positive and negative stuff. If people are, are really excited uh, and, and kind of supportive of who you are and what you're doing, um, we can get a real sense of value from that. But when people are critical or negative, um, um, that can be a real kind of uh, a real difficult thing to navigate and then the third thing we can sometimes say about who am i is i am what i have that we can be driven by uh possessions of the things that we acquire our our family our education our health um the sad thing with all of these things is is we can lose them and if we lose them if it's solely defined by that then our identity suffers and that's the, that's the challenge. So identity isn't just as simple as preferences, um, passion um, and skills. But, but we can easily fall into a trap where that is the main way we're, the main way we're defined. And obviously what we're looking at over these next kind of seven weeks or whatever it is, is we understand that the skills passions preferences are all key to our identity but it is all bigger than this there's there's more layers to go there's more that defines um, who we actually are we will get there but today what we want to focus on is welcoming god into this layer into our skills and our passion and if god could be in that what would it look like And I suppose the positive things we can focus on is when we think about skills, our skills will elevate us. They'll take us further and they'll allow us to develop and progress. If we work on our skills, then we have an opportunity to to go further. And often also if if we think about passion and we just talked about this, passion is often driven by care. If we care about something, then then I suppose passion is is something that that grows out of that. Uh, And these are positive things with both of these things. But for me, if we imagine with our skills and our passion, what does it look like if God is influencing these different things? Then that is the point where everything gets much more exciting. Because as a human being, you can get on and do all of this stuff by yourself. You can be skillful and you can be passionate about all sorts of different things. And do you know what? That your capacity as a human being is phenomenal. You could do some amazing things in your own strength uh, and your own abilities and your own drive and determination could mean you, you achieve some fantastic things. 
uh, and you you will feel um, uh, this element of fulfillment um, through using your skills and being passionate about what you're doing. But the question for me from me is how much different and how much better could it be if God was the key influencer of your passion uh, and of your skills? And I suppose the key thing that we look at with all of this stuff is that both of these things, skills and passion, they will both, when they're activated and being used, they will both enable opportunity, which is the third thing we want to talk about. An opportunity isn't something that needs to be a pressure, but it's a, it's a great byproduct of when we're doing things right and doing things well. And I suppose the questions we, we want to ask ourselves is, is God interested in the things that you are skilled in? Absolutely. And for me, when I look at it, if we can get him in the right role, he can enhance our skills. If you're passionate about something, then what would it look like if God was involved in that thing you're passionate about? And for me, God's involvement adds a depth and an opportunity for us to be developed and changed in each of these areas. But it also gives us a huge opportunity for other people to be truly impacted through us. And obviously, when we started this series, we looked at that, that quote, didn't we? Discipleship is becoming who Jesus would be if he was you. If we put Jesus in that role in our lives with our skills and our passion, what would he do with those opportunities that arrive from your skills and your abilities and the things that you're passionate about? What would he do with the tools at his disposal? And that's what we need to see as the potential for our lives, that it isn't capped by your own thinking and your own kind of decision of where this could go. If Jesus was behind the wheel of those decisions, how much more could that be enhanced? And I suppose what it um, what it comes down to is is looking at um, at where God is placed in our lives. God's God's opportunity to influence these different things very much depends on where you've placed Him. Okay, and it's about priority structures. Um, it, it, I suppose the simple way of looking at it is you've got to look at what is God's involvement in the different things, the, the areas that you're skillful in or the, the areas that you're passionate about. So maybe it's your work. What's God's influence and involvement in your work? Maybe it's your hobbies. Um, your family is the thing we're often really passionate about. Your friendships, uh, your, people's marriages and relationships, um, ambitions that you might have, your finances, Maybe your experience of, of church. What's God's involvement in that kind of thing? Um, and I would say if God's not number one in our lives as the top priority, then his role is then being influenced by other things rather than him being the influence or the influencer. And that's where the, the challenge comes. I was at Spring Harvest the other, um, the other week and they were talking about, they're talking from the front about how so easily in today's society we can end up putting idols in the way of us and God. And I, uh, talking about it in terms of idols is, is a very kind of Old Testament way of looking at things. But all, all, all they're saying when they're talking about that is an idol is, is placing something before God, is placing something that's more important than God. And I think actually there's so 
many challenges in our lives where where maybe we've not even realised that we've not allowed God to shape it and influence it. But that's one of the challenges that we face. And, and actually, as we look through that list, have any of these things become an idol? Which means, have any of these things become um, before God in our priority list? Um, and I suppose let, let's work in reverse. Is, is church something that is more important than God? And you might sit there and go, well, that's a weird thing to say. For some people... They put, the, they put it all in the same box and say, um, church, church can't be my priority. I don't think God's asking you for church to be your top priority. I think there's, there's other things that need to come before church. But the reality is, if God is not your priority, then, then he can't influence the way you look at church. Do you know what I mean? Um, what about finances? If, if finances are more important than God, he can never have an influence over finance. Uh, ambitions, if you're, if you're determined to achieve things and then God comes second or third or fourth, he can't have the influence on that. Um, relationships, marriages, if, if, if these are more precious than God, then God can't influence it. Now, this doesn't mean that if God's number one in your life, it doesn't mean that you say, OK, well, I always have to choose a God and then church because that's connected with God. I don't think that's what he's asking. I think God is saying, I want to have an opportunity to influence and speak into all different areas of your life. And, and if you place me in the right place, I'm just there to help and guide and support. So, so marriages, friendships, family. This is, uh, they, they talked about this at Spring Harvest, the, and it, it almost felt awkward that they said, oh, uh, is it, what about the idol of family? Now, that makes it sound like it's bad. Family is not bad. Family should be one of our absolute priorities. But I suppose what we're saying here is if God is in the right place, then he can influence and impact how we do family. It's not to say that, that um, we have to give up time with family because God's more important. That's not what he's asking. But what he's saying is, I want to be involved in your family life and your decisions and the way you operate. Um, and he wants to be a part of that rather than going, family's always first, then God's second. It, 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 we're missing out on an opportunity for God to help and guide and support and love us uh, and to be able to to maybe influence us in a way that that transforms some of our, our relationships and our family and, and actually give him an opportunity to shape that stuff. And I believe he can do some amazing things. Our hobbies, our work. If God's above all of these things, then he has an opportunity to influence it um, and and change stuff that, that needs to be developed and changed. And I think that the problem that we hit when we hit passions and skills is because it's so much a part of our identity, it can be really difficult for us to allow God to begin to shape that stuff because maybe that's where we're confident or that's where we're safe or that's where we're strong in our passions and our skills. But, but for me, to be able to look at it and go, does God know better? I think he pretty much knows better about all things. So if I could just invite him in, then how much better could I be by allowing him to speak into this stuff? So it's always better to have God as our top priority. Give him the opportunity to influence all things. I suppose it's as simple as this. Imagine what everything would look like if it was filtered through God first. 
And I, it, it's it's clear in all different areas. And that's what's exciting about it, that if, if God was to filter it, what kind of decisions would you make and how different would you do certain things? And as a result, how much better would it be? How much better would you be? And how much more impact would you have on other people? So how can we begin to do this? Well, the reality is there's no set formula. There's no kind of demand um, or a particular pressure for there to be certain outcomes for you to prove that God is now influencing those different things. It's just about being open to him influencing stuff. I was reading um, a a devotional thing by C.S. Lewis this week. Uh, and it was all about um, creativity. Um, so I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. And this, this section was called What Lewis Created, What C.S. Lewis Created. And this is what it says. Perhaps contrary to popular, popular belief, C.S. Lewis, like most culture creators, did not lock himself in a room until he came up with an idea for a series of books that would reveal the redemptive, the redemptive character of God. As Lewis once explained, some people seem to think that I began uh, by asking myself, how could I say something about Christianity to children? Then fixed on the fairy tale as an instrument, then collected information about child psychology and decided what age group I'd write for. Then drew up a list of basic Christian truths and hammered out allegories to embody them. This is all pure moonshine. (laughs) I couldn't write it in that way. All my seven Narnian books began with seeing pictures in my head. The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe began with a picture of a fawn carrying an umbrella and parcels in a snowy wood. This picture had been in my mind since I was about 16. Then one day, when I was about 40, I said to myself, let's try and make a story about it. At first, I had very little idea how the story would go, but then suddenly, Aslan came bounding into it. Once he was there, he pulled the whole story together. Like Lewis, our product ideas will likely not come from brainstorming sessions where we focus intensely on how we can create a product that reveals God's character. But as we begin to create and we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, Colossians 3.16, we will undoubtedly see how we can use our creations to reveal the character of our creator. If our work is is to feel like a calling, we, like Lewis, must be willing to show the true Aslan to come bounding into every aspect of our lives, including our work. So for me, that's that's the beauty of what this is all about. It's not about a pressure to sit there and go, okay, right, so God needs to influence everything. How am I going to let God influence what I'm doing? It's just about an invitation and a perspective shift that says, God, I need you in this and I want you to help me and guide me in what I'm doing. In the the things that I'm passionate about and the things that I'm skillful in, what could you do with this opportunity, with these tools? If you were me in my body, what would you do with this stuff? And just be open, wonder, ponder, um, and take that time to, to allow God to shape and develop these situations. Because once we can do that, then maybe we could find what C.S. Lewis found, these awesome stories that actually the byproduct of his, his I, love, I love that bit, it talks about um, the picture of a fawn carrying an umbrella and parcels in a snowy wood. He had that from the age of 16 and it took him 24 years 
to make it into a story that became such a powerful example of, of who God is and, and what, he, what he did for us. But it started with that little image. And for 24 years, he just that sat in his head. And that's the case with all of us. Our passions, our skills are the things that are just sat in us. But what would it look like if God was to truly take control of those things and, uh, and really act on it? And I think for me, there's something about the waiting and the patience and the, just the inviting God in that is powerful. And it's not all about relentless hard work and wearing ourselves out. Sometimes we can feel that, don't we, when we've got to be driven and motivated. It can feel like it's a lot of work. But if we read Galatians 6, uh, verses 9 to 10, uh, this is what it says. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. And I think that's what we need to understand. This is about simple steps forward, igniting our skills, igniting our passion, using our skills and allowing God to, to begin to shape and change those things. And when we can do it, we find some amazing things. Atmospheres change. Our perspective changes. Conversations happen. Our awareness shifts. And opportunities happen. This is what we find when we open up our world and our lives to be influenced by God all the time. So that's my encourage, encouragement to you today. Take the things that are core in your identity, uh, not just you, your likes and your dislikes, not just that, but the things that, that motivate you, that excite you, that make you come alive, your passions, um, th- th- those key things, and the skills of things that, that you say, actually, this is who I am. I'm good at this, and, uh, and I'm able to bring this to the table. Take that stuff, invite God into it, and see what he can do. Because those are key parts of our identity. And, and our journey over these few weeks is to, is to dedicate ourselves to finding out what our, identity could, what our identity could look like if we get God in the right place in that. So let's just pray. Father God, thank you that you love us and that you are really interested in us. That when you look around this room, you see... Uh, the beauty and the skill and the, um, the passion in each of us. And just pray, God, that you would really inspire us to invite you into what would be a much more dynamic and exciting journey than we're probably on at the minute if you're not um, influencing that stuff. I pray that you would really stir something in us an excitement of what you could do in our lives and how you could begin to to enhance who we are and God I pray that you would just bring us into situations where we begin to see you working through just who we are through our passions our skills um, and our, our interests I pray that you would begin to open doors and uh, and bring opportunities through for us just through, the, just through the kind of the, the general person that we are, the things that we're interested in, the things that we do, things that we're good at. So God, we, we invite you into that and, and ask you to, to do only what you can do, which is transform that into something way beyond what we could imagine. Um, so pray that you would, you'd help us to, 
to fix our eyes on you and, and, and push ourselves forward to see um, what you could actually do with us. Amen. Amen. Cool. So hopefully that makes 